Mike last week, uh, I, I gave him an assignment. I gave him an assignment. I said, you can either do whatever the Lord wants you to do and, and preach whatever you want, or you can step into this series and see what the Lord might have to say to you about some things. And so he went through, uh, he decided to say yes to the challenge of this learning to live in the tension, to navigate the tension in life that uh, being one that walks with Jesus will face. Do we not face tensions every single day? Oh my goodness. And how many of you have become even more mindful of them since we've started this journey? Oh, it's like you see them everywhere now. And it's tiring, but it's really good. And so Mike stepped into that in verse 11. And we're going we're gonna to continue that a little bit today. Verse 11 and 12, where Paul is talking to the church in Rome and wanting to impart a spiritual gift to them so that they might be encouraged in each other's faith. So Mike went through spiritual gifts because that can be a tension, especially in the church. Spiritual gifts uh, can be kind of a controversy in, in some sense. There are some churches that are like, no, they ended. We don't, we don't want to mess with these. And some that, that are all about it, all about spiritual gifts. If spiritual gifts aren't mentioned in a message, you didn't preach the gospel. I mean, there's extremes everywhere. I'm not talking about the norm. I'm just talking about different uh, approaches to them. And so where do we sit in those? And, and what does God want to say to us about spiritual gifts? And so Mike did a great job at laying out that everyone that calls Jesus Lord has one. None is greater than the other because they're from the Lord. To compare the Lord with the Lord is crazy. <laughs> it's all good, is it not? Now, when we start comparing gifts and saying one has a greater value than the other, that's based off our opinion. That's what we've created, not the Lord. And that these gifts are not, and we're going to talk more about this today, are not, I repeat, and Mike said this last week, and he emphasized this greatly, they are not our identity. Okay? They're not. How many, uh, how many did... Uh, Sports. I'll just throw out there. Sports in high school or college or still do sports. Okay. How many knew that guy that was really good and everyone knew who he was or who she was and you almost heard from the way they walked or even heard verbally, they go, this is what I do. You ever heard that? Go get him, buddy. Of course, this is what I do. Who's heard that? In some way, it could be even in the business world. It could be, it's that kind of um, idea that you've become so attached to the gift that you have to do something, and people now have attributed to you that gift in that quality. You buy the hype, you, you buy into it, you believe your own hype, and then you go, this is what I do. I got this. One of my favorite things in the world is to watch arrogant athletes um, on ESPN talk and then them lose. <laughs> Come on. Anybody else there with me? There's this sweet justice that happens. Right? Revenge. It's great. It's kind of sad, too, because when you, when you find your identity in the things that you do and the gifts that you're given... You don't know what to do after they're taken away. 
uh, being a part of the Alliance Renewal Churches, I'm on their leadership team, and we meet with so many pastors. And I meet with pastors uh, every week, those that are retired, those that are not, and having conversations with them. And there are some that find uh, their identity so much in what they're doing. They're gifted, hopefully gifted to be a pastor. There's a spiritual gift of shepherding and, and preaching and all these other things. And then life throws something at them and it's taken away for whatever reason. It could be a moral failure. It could be, well, they think they, they just think they should retire. It could be an illness. But now they go, what do I do now? I don't know anything other than being a pastor. Now, this is just in my context. I'm just speaking for my, and you may have that equivalent in your own life with someone that you know, and it may be you too. I remember growing up and um, I was sports all the way. And for me in high school, it was wrestling. I felt in my mind synonymous with wrestling. And I, it's all I wanted to do. It's all I thought about. And it's, it's where my identity began to happen and where I used to get it. And and then I felt the Lord calling me into ministry. I'm, I'm not doing that. This is what I feel gifted. This is what I want to do. And then I got hurt. And then it, 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 would, it would take wrestling away from me in that way. And I went, well, what am I now? And that was a hard thing to be left with. I was just, what? Then I go to college. And I'm like, okay. I'm at a Christian school for the first time. I speak the language. And I know how to get around and all of this stuff. And seem like a big wig. And and I'm healthy and all this stuff. And then I get diabetes and everything's taken from me. And I'm going, who am I now if I'm not this person? And there's this identity crisis that happens with us when the things, even if they're good things, and even if they're used for the kingdom, you're like, why shouldn't I be known for this? This is a good thing. This amplifies the name of Jesus. But when something happens and where we can't function in that gifting the way we want to, we are left with the question, who am I now? What do I do now? For pastors, when this is taken from them, what's my voice now? I don't have the platform. I don't have the influence. I don't, and Mike touched on this. They said, uh, Mike was sharing a story. People would ask, when you're not the director of the Alliance of Renewal Churches, what are you go, how are you going to feel about that? Great. Because my relationship with Jesus is settled. My value is settled. Now, before we go any further, I want to read this passage again so we can um, refamiliarize ourselves to it. Paul is saying to the church in Rome, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong, to build you up. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So this phrase, that is, gives the reason to that impartation. Okay, I want to impart some spiritual gift to you to make you strong so that, that is, you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So there are spiritual gifts, all kinds, and they're wonderful, but they are meant to encourage us, to strengthen us, to build us up so that we can navigate these tensions, but not without the power of Holy Spirit igniting those gifts, moving in us and through us, and knowing that he's the one that gets the credit for all that good stuff, and that our value is in him, not these gifts that he gives us. See, we take from a created context how wonderful these supernatural gifts are. 
Why wouldn't you want to find your identity as something that's not even on your radar until it's given to you? I mean, isn't that fantastic? There are some people, the people that really impress me, I mean, there are people that have the spiritual gift of healing, where you can see this, this outward, uh, tangible look at what God's doing. And then, and then, you have, um, then you have prophecy, and you've got all these other ones where you can see, like, almost physically things happen. But the one that gets me the most, because I think maybe it's the hardest for me to just kind of every day get into, is that real sincere, genuine spiritual gift of encouragement. That, those, that someone with that gift can look at you without judgment, without being overly subjective of their experience with you, and encourage you because the heart and the love of God is pushing that gift out. Now, one of those people, we have, one, we have several people on staff like that, but one that sticks out to me is Mark Spencer. If you know Mark Spencer, you've probably been encouraged by him. Who's been encouraged by Mark Spencer? My goodness. And I look at him, I go, that can't be real. He's got to be faking that stuff. He's just doing that so he can feel good about himself at the end of the day. No, come on. He leaves his judgment at the door and he sees what God wants to see and he says this stuff and makes you feel so good and then you feel bad for feeling good about it and you go, that can't be real. But uh, encouragement isn't who Mark is. His gift of encouragement, his gift of wisdom, it's not who Mark is. Mark is a beloved son of God. Now that sounds generic because we say that a lot, but if we think about it in the context of being with Jesus and that he created each one of us intentionally to be where he is for that purpose alone so that he can love us, so that we can be loved by him, wow, a beloved son or daughter of God keeps it in a lasered focus. He wants to be with me. I love it when people want to go, do you want to hang out? Because it says they want to be with you. Why give the invitation? How many of you have been invited into a relationship and you're like, whoa, that's pretty cool? Yeah, it just blessed your socks off. And, you, and sometimes you go, why me? Why would they want to hang out with me? I don't even like me. Why would they like me? I don't like me. I don't even like looking in the mirror because I don't like me. But God desperately loves you. And so your identity and your values in it. Now, is it clear that our value is in Jesus alone? Yes or no? Okay, so I'm going to pray right now. In Jesus' name, I ask that you would make our understanding with our minds that we are of greatest value to you and our value cannot be taken away. And I, I ask God that you would open the floodgates between our head and our heart so that what we know would be what we feel and how we live. In Jesus' name. Remove any blockage that would get in the way of that, of us receiving our true name as beloved. Remove that in Jesus' name so that we can live out of this place of that great value we have as your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone can agree. <laughs> okay, It's another to accept and receive. So you can agree with me that your value is in Jesus, but do we live out of that place? When we live out of that place, it makes the gifts and how they encourage us even greater. Because now it's, it's fueled by the gift giver and not the function of the gift. 
Okay? It's fueled by the gift giver and not the function or the result of the gift. Because oftentimes we look at the gifts, what do they give us? What do they give someone else? What are they going to provide? What are they going to do to change the landscape? And we can get lost in that instead of looking at that as a testimony to the very love of God. And going, whoa. And Paul is saying, I want to impart a spiritual gift so that we can be mutually encouraged in each other's faith. And the word faith in Greek means trust. Throwing your trust onto Jesus. Okay, so we can be mutually encouraged in each other's trust in Jesus Christ. Now, he's writing this to Christians. And later in verse 15, it says, Paul says to them, I haven't been able to get to you yet, but I want to so that I can preach the gospel to you. And you go, why would he want to preach the gospel to people that are already Christians? And when you look further in the language what Paul is talking about, when you look at the context of all his epistles, it, it's, he's always trying to move people beyond the salvation point into living out a love relationship with Jesus. So he's, the gospel to him is not just salvation, it's living in that salvation. So he's always wanting to push us to maturity, because that's what God wants for us. So the spiritual gifts are to encourage us to step into that trust. Not to go, well, you know, I'm going to baptize you. You're saved because of baptism or something like that. And now we're done. No. Or I believe in Jesus. Uh, I receive forgiveness of sins. And okay, there we go. I'm in heaven. Okay, but you're missing the point. Who wants to be in heaven if you don't love Jesus? You know you're going to be there with him for eternity, worshiping him? If you don't love Jesus, heaven will be hell for you. In a sense, right? I mean, that's why I don't understand how people want to go to heaven, but they don't want to be with right now the one they will be with for eternity. Our faith is in that God. And these gifts, they just help connect us to him more deeply and show people more deeply their love for them. And they encourage us. How many be encouraged by someone's trust in Jesus, their faith? Ha! And what has it done to yours? Give me some more. Yeah. Does it amplify it? Do you get fresh wind in your spirit? Yeah. You begin to look at yourself through God's eyes and not your own. You begin to go, oh, he does see me. Oh. Man, when, I, when, when I'm encouraged by someone that has a spiritual gift of encouragement, I go, God sees me. When someone has a spiritual gift of faith, I mean that extra dose. How many know those people? It's like they're not in denial. They really believe God's got it. It's not a dismissal thing. It's like they really believe it. Anyone know those people? They irritate you because it's a mirror for you sometimes. And you go, man, I don't have that kind of faith. I don't want to be around that person because they keep reminding me how little trust I have right now. But those people really encourage me, even though I feel a little discouraged sometimes, because I know God sees me. And the whole point to impart a gift, Paul is saying, is to strengthen us. It's to strengthen the church so that we can stand. The Greek visual of the, in that word is that so that we can stand. And it's a we. It's not a just me. It's so that we can stand together. And then be encouraged by each other's trust. When, when you see a gift of the Spirit 
uh, working in a healthy way as God intended, it amplifies your faith. It does. I'll never, ever forget this. Um, in youth ministry, as, as a male youth pastor, one of the challenges is how do you connect with girls? Okay? And vice versa. How does a female youth pastor connect with boys? It's just a different dynamic. And one of the ways that we solve that is that um, uh, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, female youth leaders that helped out with me and all this stuff. And we would spend uh, time as groups with the gals. And it was a great time. But one of the things that we really looked forward to, and I did too, was we would go to this camp up in uh, Northern California. And huge camp, lots of people, too many people. You're talking a thousand kids a week. It was overwhelming. But one of the things I look forward to is in the middle of the week, I would spend three or four hours with all the gals, all the, all the female youth leaders, and we would have uh, prayer time and not request time where we say, Lord, what do you want to say? And then going through the filters of hearing, listening to God, is it what you're hearing in the character of Christ? Is it within the boundaries of scripture? And is it confirmed by two or three people? And we go through this series of things, you know, what don't, the do's and don'ts of what you hear and how you communicate it. And so I was struggling, I know personally, with forgiving someone in my life. Okay, there's a context. I, was, I brought to this camp someone that I despise, uh, that betrayed me in ways you can't possibly imagine. I did not have any love for this person in my heart. I, forgiveness wasn't on the table. And I remember there was this one gal who said she, can, she never hears the Lord. I never hear the Lord. I, I don't know. I think everyone hears God. They just don't always identify what they hear as God. And so we're at this little amphitheater. We've got 40 of our gals there. And we said, we're just going to sit and we're going to ask the Lord what he wants to say. And so they know the boundaries. They know all this stuff. I mean, within minutes, girls that wouldn't talk to these other girls over here are over in groups and they're praying and all this and they're reading each other's mail meaning God is giving them words for these girls like how do you know that I didn't tell anybody and then there's crying and you're going oh this is amazing and I'm going yes you're watching you know spiritual gifts just at their best when we just allow God to do what he's going to do and you're seeing the faith encourage faith I'm like yeah this is amazing God you are this is unbelievable so I get up on this they had this big rock and I stand on it and in the amphitheater I said okay this is amazing we spent two or three hours and this is teenagers hours in prayer do you know attention span of a teenager especially a teenage girl when the cute boys are walking around and they're enthralled they're in it you're going this is God and I'm standing on that rock I'm closing in prayer and I say Jesus name amen and I begin to walk away and that one girl that says she doesn't hear God, she says in front of everyone, stop. She says, stop. You talking to me? Yeah, you. <laughs> stop. She goes, I think this is the Lord. You test it. That was good. But she says, I can't let you leave because there's someone you need to forgive. And we're going to pray for you until you can forgive them. And I'm like, no, this was for you, not for me. <laughs> I said that. I said, no, this is for you, not for me. We're not talking about me. Yes, we are. So f 40 girls 
surround me and pray over me, and I am breaking. I mean, this is, I don't share this stuff with anybody. This was so private. And this is, this is why I'm questing for vulnerability all the time, because there's nowhere you can hide. So you might as well stop, because the Lord will find you. <laughs> and he uses his church to do so. She called me out, and I sat there, and I began the process of forgiveness. Wait, that was a huge deal. Sometimes forgiveness is a process. It doesn't happen as quickly as we want. But the fact that I would even get on the starting line encouraged my faith and my trust in Jesus that he sees me even when I don't want him to. And I went, it encouraged me. Maybe not in the way I wanted to be encouraged. Right? Sometimes encouragement to us is siloed. This is what encouragement is. None of that stuff because that stuff's challenging and I don't like that. But no, she called me out. And it changed my life, literally forever. I can, I can look, you know, you can look at your timeline of your life and see the pivotal moments in which God really shook you up. And that was one of them. Because to her, she couldn't, she couldn't hear God. But when she allowed herself, gave herself permission to sit and be still, she was able to see what God wanted to do in her and through her. She was obedient, and not for... Not for her, but she was experiencing intimacy with God. It wasn't a proper self up. And she read my mail. Because God didn't want me to walk around with that spirit of unforgiveness in my heart because he loves me. Not because it's just an obedience thing. It's because me carrying that can, I be the, can you be or I be the best version of ourselves if we're holding stuff like that? No. God wants us to be the best version of who we are, which means that's the Brendan that's at the feet of Jesus with him all the time, and Jesus calling stuff out, not to go, you did this or you didn't do that, but to go, let's walk through this together. Let me strengthen you. Let me encourage you. Let me put people around you that have certain gifts that will encourage you, that will build you up and strengthen you up in the name I've given you as my beloved. Because that's your identity. I identify you, says the Lord, as my child. And that no one can take from you. No one. Will there be a point where your health is gone? Yep. Will there be a point where maybe some of the resources you had before that gave you value and significance may be taken? Yes. But if everything is taken, do we still say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? Because that can only come from someone that knows who they are in Christ Jesus. When you look at the world around us and the Christians that are being persecuted, they don't stop worshiping Jesus. They know who they are. It cannot be taken from us. Spiritual gifts are great, but they don't give us our identity. The giver of those gifts gives us our identity. And when we live out of that place, then we become mutually encouraged in one another's trust in Jesus. From any age, too. One of my uh, joys, and, and sorry, Taylor, I'm going to call you out here, and you can get mad at me after the service. And someone can prophesy over you saying you need to forgive Brendan. <laughs> but what, what I love is when I come in on Sunday morning, 
I'm in the cafe, and I see Taylor, who's 22, 21, 20? Okay, 20, sitting with people, wonderful people that are more seasoned in years. You like how delicately I put that? Obviously, we know who we're talking about now because they're all clapping. And you see, it encourages me. Because the church is made up of all ages that function in gifts, no matter what age they are. If they carry the name of Jesus Christ with them and they walk with Jesus, they have a spiritual gift, if not more, and it's meant to encourage the body. And when I see the spiritual gift of fellowship, because I think it really is, because people are hard to be around. When I see that happening, it encourages my faith. It says God is with us. He sees us. He knows us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. It's an unbelievable thing to see. Intergenerational ministry, gifts being used from all ages in the name of Jesus out of a response of knowing they're loved. How cool is that? It's amazing. It's amazing to me. And Paul is trying to ignite this kind of spirit. Because you have Christians fighting over who they're going to follow, Paul, or they're going to follow this guy, Peter, or they're going to follow. Oh my goodness. And Paul's like, it's about Jesus. Now remember, the whole premise from this is started is, uh, in verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, done. Everything you read in Romans comes out of that place. So you can interpret everything he says out of the understanding that it has always been, will always be about relationship with Jesus. If you have, when you're reading Romans and you're having trouble interpret intent on Paul's part, go back to verse 1 in chapter 1, and you will see what his intent is. It will be and always be about Jesus and being with Jesus. So everything we see falling, because there's tough stuff we're going to navigate soon. If it's already been tough, but it's going to continue to get tough. It's going to poke at embedded theology and opinions and all this stuff, but we want to be where Jesus is. That's where Paul wants us to be. And so he, he wants to see what the kind of clapping, the kind of excitement that we just experienced here that sees people of all ages walking with Jesus, in Jesus, seeing each other's value because you're no greater than I am and I'm no greater than you are because we are loved by God equally. We're precious to him. So spiritual gifts, they're great, but they're really meant to encourage and strengthen us in the understanding that we are loved by God and others need to know that. And so the spiritual gifts are a manifestation of that love. That's why it's so important that we use them properly with Jesus. They're not ours. They're not ours to change and go, oh, no. I'm going to end with this story because it was kind of funny to me. Uh, I had a pastor friend I'm walking with through some changes, and he calls me. And, then, and on a week in which we're talking about this stuff, it always happens. Right? Well, Brendan, put your money where your mouth is. And I, I said, hey, buddy, what can I do for you? He says to me, I need you to do your thing. I said, what thing? I mean, I really, I'm like, what thing? Your fairly thing. What does that mean? I've never heard that, the fairly thing. And he goes, you know the thing. I, I, obviously, buddy, I don't know the thing you're talking about. 
And I said, well, he's like, well, I, whatever that thing is, I need you to do it. <laughs> you talk to people like this? <laughs> I said, how about I ask you some questions? Yeah, that's the thing. That's part of the thing. Okay. <laughs> Asking you questions is part of it. Yes. So we have this great conversation, and we're just walking through and trying to discern what the Lord is saying. And then we get done, and he feels encouraged. And he goes, that's what I was talking about. And I go, what are you talking about? You just fairly me. That thing. So first, don't ever say that again. That's weird. I don't even want to... Fair lead me. I'm... And then I got, he explained because we finally got to a point where he could articulate himself. But just discerning and asking questions of discernment that lead to where God is going. Now, that might be a gift that I walk in, but when you hear your name synonymous with the thing, and that, you know, you can buy your own hype, can't you? I mean, Raise your hand if people come to you because they know, they know you for something. You're known for something. Raise your hand. Good or bad, sometimes it's, it's not fun to be known for something. And now your name is synonymous with that. I don't want my name synonymous with discernment. I want it synonymous with the love of God. I want, when people see me, to know their value. And I think, he, I, I knew what he meant, but... You can see how those kind of things, how even people will make what you do your identity. You may have a clear and healthy sense, but then you make their identity something that it's not. Again, they're great things. He was blessed, wonderful. But if I go, that's who I am, and one day I get Alzheimer's and I can't discern, and I get, who am I? And I don't have the memory of those things. I don't have the wherewithal or the foresight to see or do anything the way I used to, what happens? Nothing. I am loved by God. You are loved by God. I'm going to say it again. You are loved by God. Live out of that. Live out of it. And don't just agree with it. Agree with it. Receive it. Let it fuel you. And you will see a whole new level to the gifts that God has given you. Because it's not about the gifts. It's about the love that he has for other people. And it will strengthen them in your faith that you model. Not that you just preach on or you put on people. That you model will encourage their faith. And then they'll know the spiritual gifts are wonderful. But the one that gave those to them is even greater. And that's where they want to be. You have people all over the world that even in tyranny are still worshiping Jesus because they want to be where he is. No matter the cost, do we want that? Do we want to be where he is all the time because we want to be with our Father? We want to be loved. We want to love God with all we got and love others with all we got because we know we are loved with all he's got because he loved and gave us everything. And I'm winded. Are we clear that the spiritual gifts are good, but the giver is even better? Amen. We're just going to sing one more time that proclamation, I will build my life upon your love. <laughs>